Remember the saying, you never know when opportunity will knock on your door? We'll keep listening to find out how this week's guest has been able to make the most out of this popular saying and become a three-time Emmy Award winner, media personality, entrepreneur, and influencer. You did it. You have found your judgment-free zone, the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a bilingual podcast for women who want to become reinas of their money and love their dinero more. I am your host, Jen Hemphill, a former extreme frugalist turned reina of your money advocate. Each week, I'm going to help you reign your money like that queen that you are with inspiring interviews and panel discussions from La Comunidad Latina and with solo episodes sharing simple, actionable tips and strategies. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And now let's jump into today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, hola, Reina. I hope your November is going well and that you have been enjoying this month's episodes. This is Jen Hempel, your host, and I'm so grateful that you are here. Now, today's guest is amazing. I know I say that probably about every guest, but I really actually mean that because each time I have the opportunity to interview a guest, there's something special about each one, something that I learn in a ha moment. And I never, ever know where that conversation takes me. And that's always interesting. And today's guest is no different. She is so fantastic, a rock star in her own right. And let me tell you a little bit about Gabby Natale. She is a triple daytime Emmy winner, TV personality, best-selling author, and a motivational speaker. She is the executive producer and host of the nationally syndicated TV show, Super Latina on PBS Vemi Network. One of the most prestigious media personalities in Spanish language television, Gabby is among a few women in the entertainment industry who owns not only the rights to her TV show, but also a television studio. Gabby is also the founder of Aganar Media, a marketing company with a focus on Hispanic audiences that serves Fortune 500 companies such as Hilton Worldwide, Sprint, AT&T, eBay, and Amazon. A tireless advocate of gender and diversity issues, Gabby is a sought-after bilingual speaker and a frequent collaborator with nonprofits such as St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, Phenomenal Women Action Campaign, and Voto Latino. As you can hear, she's just an outright phenomenal mujer. And in today's episode, you're going to hear how opportunities show up when you least expect it, the number one mistake people make when unemployed and starting something new, as well as how to not suffocate your business and some of her personal finance lessons. Lista, vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Get ready. Bienvenida, Gabby. I am so thrilled to have you here. Hey, I'm so happy to be here with you and with your wonderful community of women, empowered women to talk about her dinero. Because let me tell you something, Jen. Sometimes when we have sessions about money, I like to ask people, put up your hand. What would you prefer to reveal? How many people you slept with in your whole life or how much money you made or how much debt you had? And you know, and usually it's like a 50-50. 
So it's equally taboo, money and sex. Oh, it is. And sometimes it feels like in my, my conversations where money is more taboo, but maybe I'm more observant of it just because of what I do. But yeah, I love that you asked that question. <laughs> and I'm just so thrilled to have you here because I got the opportunity to meet you in Houston and at an event that we were both at. And you did such a wonderful job in moderating the panel for a We All Grow in TurboTax event. And I've just been a fan since then, just because I've learned everything that you've accomplished. So let's start with your money story and take us back because you're from Argentina. Take us back to maybe when you were living in Argentina. What did you see? What did you experience? What conversations maybe your parents had with you that had to do with money that impacted you that still to this day, you think about that conversation or that experience? Definitely money does not grow on trees type of comments. I mean, I grew up in a middle-class family who later, my parents are both lawyers, who later had good opportunities in business. So we were kind of that middle class who my parents worked really, really hard, but we did have access to privileged things like vacations in Disney or private schools or the best education that was available in Argentina or learning, taking English lessons, which paid off after time. So, so we did have um, some, some opportunities that were very interesting, but as any career, you know, there's ups and there's downs. Then there was a downturn in the economy in Argentina and those opportunities, maybe they were not there for my parents after, uh, there were changes in, 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 um, in the, in the way their activity, their business went. So we experienced everything, you know, sometimes where I, I grew up and it was like, you don't have when you're growing up in Argentina, the kind of birthday on steroids that kids in the U.S. are used to with a hundred vendors uh, doing all kinds of crazy things. And, you know, it's so elaborate. It's like more like you get together with friends and there's food and there's family and a nice cake and you have a great time. So I really think that as I grew older, I started thinking about money and thinking about my parents' story as like how hard they had to work for to give us the opportunities that we had later in life and how appreciative I am of that. And so it did instill in me that things don't come easy, that you have to work and that you have to work hard. And at the same time, I think it instilled in me something that you can see it as a virtue or you can see it as a problem, it depends on how you look at life or business, which is that I am very adverse to financial risk. Because at the end of the day, I think like, wow, it takes a lot of time and a lot of money to build wealth. So, you know, I try not to take a lot of financial risks. And for some people in business, if they feel more comfortable with financial risk, maybe in times where the economy is strong, or in places where there's a lot of access to credit, like the United States, their businesses can grow exponentially if they take more risks on the financial level. I prefer slow and steady. For some people, it might be a virtue. For some others, it might be a problem. It's just what works for my sanity. <laughs> I love that. So you want to distinguish between a virtual or a problem. I, I never thought about it in that sense, because it is definitely about perspective and 
how we think about money, whether today or tomorrow, it can it can change and you can make that change right away, right? But your perspective is everything, like you were saying. And I completely love that. Now, were there any conversations that maybe your parents had with you or was everything just via just what you observed of what they did? I think it was uh, what I observed of what they did. And also what I observed was that my parents, they had their own uh, legal bureau. And so they were both equal partners. And I think that growing up, you know, seeing a woman and a man working together uh, and they both had the same right to say, we're going to go in this direction and we're going to be in this other direction, which is wonderful. But at the same time, of course, if they if they're not getting along in which one is the right direction to go, it can also be a problem, but that could happen with any partner. But I think what it instilled in me is the possibility to see women whose voice were heard, women whose voice were valuable. And that, I think, made an impact in me as well. And that makes sense, just knowing what I know about you and the message that you share on social media and when you speak is and I and I see that in in your in your marriage, right? So you work with your husband. So I feel like would you agree that what you saw and observed with your parents really had an impact on how you whether maneuver marriage is the right word, I don't know, but do you feel like that had an impact and just when you met your husband and before the marriage maybe you had some conversations, this is how I foresee this cuz I told my husband right off you're not going to see me every day, like cooking, like you're going to cook as well. Like I set off like this, don't expect me to be the stereotype housewife. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, it had a tremendous impact because I really love sharing work, life projects and dreams with my husband. And at the same time, also it's a cautionary tale because I saw the friction that working together brought in my parents' marriage. They're no longer together. And working together did play a role. I cannot go into details to their, you know, their story is their story. My story is my story. And I don't have any obligation in life to repeat their story. But what I can do is I can learn from what I saw that I like and what I can avoid from what I saw that I believe created extraordinary friction in a relationship where they shared work and a family. Right, right. No, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Now, last fast forward, you were in Argentina, then you moved to the US, was directly moving to the US or you had, because I know you've lived in other countries. (laughs) Tell us us what happened. So what happened is that I graduated in the year 2001 in Argentina with a master's degree in journalism. And you know, when you graduate, and I'm thinking so much about this class of 2020, that they are graduating in a very special time for the country and the planet. So I graduated in Argentina in the year 2001. And I had this spirit that we all graduates have in the moment that you want to take over the world, you know, but the world had a very different plan for me. Because right when I graduated, Argentina was going through one of its deepest political financial and social crisis with unemployment at 20% or sometimes even a little bit more. So the reality of my passion and my eagerness to take over the world was met with um, with a reality of not having jobs, not having enough jobs for 
people who have experience, people who have connection. Imagine for someone who just graduated, who didn't have connections, who didn't have the experience and was looking for a first opportunity. So I spent almost two years, one year and a half, knocking on doors, rejection after rejection, receiving rejection after rejection. And I always joke that we go through phases when we're unemployed. And in the beginning, it's like the optimistic phase that, yay, I'm going to spend more time with my family. Yeah, I'm going to do that course that I never have the time to do. And that lasts for a while. <laughs> then you enter what I call the hyper-productive phase and you start sending resumes from day to night all the time in front of the computer. And that gave me a 10 in productivity, but a zero in results. So suddenly I slept into the third phase, which is the phase that I call the pajama queen. And I spent, yes, all my day in the pajamas feeling depressed and making a mistake, Jen, that many people, you know, if you're going through unemployment right now, if you lost your job or if you lost your business, please pay attention because we all make this mistake. And the mistake that I made was that I felt that the lack of response, the lack of interest from the world in me was a reflection of who I was as a professional or as a person. So I said, like, if nobody's interested in what I have to offer, then that means that what I have to offer is worthless. And that's not the case. There are so many more variables in play. There's the economy. There's the industry. There's the timing. There's lack. There's so many things. So if you are un unemployed right now or you lost your business, please don't make the same mistake I made of thinking that what I had to offer was worthless. So um, to make a long story short, Jen, what happened was that I got an opportunity to work unpaid, you know, just to help a friend in a conference in Argentina. And uh, my, my work was going to be to hand out flyers. And I felt at that moment that that was the proof that I was a total loser, that I was a total failure, that I had studied and I had a master's degree to, quote, end up you know, doing this job that I felt was too small for me because I was so educated and nobody was paying me to do it. But here's the thing. You never know when opportunity will knock on your door. And that day that I showed up and that I felt that I was a total loser, something incredible happened. And that was that the uh, translator that was hired for that conference did not show up. So The organizers came to me and said, you know, the translator didn't show up. We know you are bilingual. Would you please do us the favor, the unpaid favor again, to translate for this delegation of professors from George Washington University who are coming to town? And I said, yes. And that was the beginning of an opportunity that led me to be public relations executive in Washington, D.C. So the day I almost didn't show up, the day I felt the opportunity was maybe too small for me, the day I almost give up was the day that changed my life. So please, if you have an opportunity, if you have something that is showing up your door, give it a try. Give it a try because you never know when opportunity will knock on your door. It's so true. So basically from Argentina, you landed in DC and you were working, but 
obviously now you're an entrepreneur, you have multiple businesses. When from working in the nine to job and, and especially in, in the city like DC, when did you jump in entrepreneurship? Like what, how did that happen? Before we continue, I have a quick message for you. Her Dinero Matters is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving. As your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community, First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage, from setting up a personal checking account to refinancing household debt to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, you can call or email your banker at any time for the support you need because First Republic believes what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member of FDIC, equal housing lender. It took years, first of all, because I had a visa that is called the H-1B visa. That is a visa for professionals. And that visa only allows you to work for somebody else. You cannot have a side hustle. You cannot have your own business. It's forbidden by law. So I worked in Washington, D.C. Then that same company transferred me to Mexico to work from Mexico. Then after that, I started covering the reality of the border and what was happening with immigration in the border between Mexico and Arizona. Univision saw my work. They hired me to be a news anchor here in the United States. And then after my green card was approved, this was a four-year process, was when I really earned the right to become an entrepreneur. Because for me, becoming an entrepreneur, sometimes it's, they, people say, oh, becoming an entrepreneur, it's a risk. For me, it was not even a risk. It was a privilege that I had to earn because legally, I couldn't be an entrepreneur even if I wanted to. So I waited for all those four years. And the moment my visa was approved, I had like a real heart-to-heart conversation with my husband say, wow, now we have a variety of opportunities opened for us. We can work for whatever employer we want. We can work in whatever field we want. And we can work for ourselves if we want. What do we want to do? And that's when we started um, becoming entrepreneurs. But uh, Jen, I'm going to tell you something. I spent over a year, a year and a half in the beginning, working as a university professor in three different, three or four different universities and colleges so that I had a steady paycheck and I didn't force my business to pay my bills from day one. Because what I see is that people, they open their business and it takes time to build that business. And if you're forcing that business to support you and your family from day one, maybe you suffocate that business and you end up with no runway 
to give it the time it would have need, you know, like a plant. You have to take care of the plant every day and it's going to become a beautiful tree, hopefully, one day. But if you want to see it on the plant, you know, on the first day, <laughs> you're going to ruin the plant. Right, right. Well, that was very smart to do. So, and your husband, where did you meet him? We met in Argentina. We met in Argentina in our master's degree. We were in the same class. And we spent one year and one month long distance in the middle of, you know, when I was in, he was living in Argentina and then in London and I was living in Washington, D.C. And then in Mexico, we visited each other once per quarter, but it was one year and one month that we spent apart. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. I didn't know if you met him where, and I'm like, okay, connecting the dots here. Very, very cool. Now you said you had some restrictions because with a visa, you couldn't become an entrepreneur. Whereabouts were you thinking or did you get an itch or was it when you got the green card that you saw the opportunities were expanded or were you already itching and you had some ideas of things that you wanted to do? There were a couple of things that I had in my mind. First, I saw and I still see the incredible potential of the Hispanic community, Latinx community, everybody name it, whatever you feel more comfortable naming it. <laughs> so I saw it and I still see it. it's incredible. And then I saw that there's still, there was. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. There still is so much more work to be done. That was one of the things that I saw. The second one was that I didn't see myself, my friends, my family, my, my fellow mujeres represented fairly or even respectfully in media. And at the same time, I saw Oprah. Imagine this was in the year 2007. At the same, at the same time, I saw Oprah. And the, then it was the Tyra Banks show at the time. There were so many talk shows and different things where I saw women creating content for themselves and women not being just somebody who was reading a teleprompter or who was hired by a company, women who called the shots. And I wanted that for myself. I wanted to be able to be the ultimate responsible for the content that was out there. I wanted to, and also when I was working for somebody else, sometimes I'm very sentimental. Sometimes I fall in love with the stories and I want to do those stories. And sometimes your boss does not fall in love with the same stories you fall in love and those stories are never told. And so I wanted to be able to fall in love with the stories or with the content or with the project or with whatever I had in mind and to be able to execute it without having somebody else being that gatekeeper in a particular company or in a particular organization. I love that. And that's, that's interesting because even though it, I wasn't to that extent, I never saw as a military spouse, because we moved a lot, I just knew I wanted to have a career. I just didn't know what that looked like. But I, there was nowhere in my mind that entrepreneurship was it. <laughs> Having a business, that just was not even anywhere in my mind. So it's interesting. I just knew that for me, I wanted to have the cake and eat it too, meaning maybe work from home because I wanted to be at home with my kids. So I had those different requisites that I wanted to have, but I didn't know that it was going to be entrepreneurship. And if you move, you can take your job with you because now in the digital work, there are so many digital nomads, whether it is military spouses 
or people who just like to work in front of some kind of beach in Bali. I don't know how they manage to do that. I haven't figured it out, but there's people who actually do it, you know. So now we're in the middle of a very special situation around the globe, but, you know, under normal or pseudo-normal circumstances, there are those opportunities for some people. Absolutely. Now, so you were in Argentina until basically you were an adult. You had graduated from college. And then you moved to different places, you landed in the US again. What were some financial challenges or maybe lessons that you came to the US and you're like, wait a minute, because the system, financial system is different and something that you just weren't expecting? Mm -hmm. Well, because growing up in Argentina, and I think in Latin America is pretty much the same, the access to credit is not as easy as it is here in the US. And even if you have access to credits, the rates, you know, the interest rates, they kill you. So people tend to save until they have the money to buy whatever they want to buy, especially if it's a big ticket item. So I had that mentality in mind. So my first years in the U.S. was like saving, saving, saving until I had the $3,400 that cost me my first car and going to the car place, the car dealership, you know, with the cash and buying the car, you know, <laughs> crazy, crazy things. But you come from a different world and a different mentality. And then little by little, I had to learn that, you know, yes, if you want to, you can continue to do that. But this is a system that rewards you being able to pay your debts. And if you never buy anything, with payments or with debts, then they never know how responsible you are. You know, it's great if you want to wait and pay like that cochecito, that little car that I bought on, on, in cash. But really, that is not going to build what we call the, the, the credit score, which is the report card that financial institutions put on you to see how good of a student you are when it comes to paying back your debt. To say it in some school terms, you know. <laughs> And so I had to learn that the hard way once I became an entrepreneur because I needed uh, an initial loan of $20,000 to buy my first equipment, to buy my first cameras. This was in the year 2007. Right now, you know, probably same equipment is so much more cheaper, but that was what costed at the time plus building the set for the TV show, plus a couple of other things, the computer, the editing software, you name it. And so once we got the, the green light to start producing from a TV channel, then we thought, wow, it's going to be really easy to get the credit for, I don't know why, uh, wow, it's going to be really easy to get this credit because, I mean, it's not a million dollar credit. It's not such a huge thing. It's only 20,000, which is not that much. But the reality hit that, Every time we went to a bank to ask for a loan, I was not a homeowner at the time. I didn't have any properties under my name at the time. I only had, you know, not so much for, for equity for that, for that loan. And so banks started to turn us down. And we had one bank, two banks, three banks, until four banks turns us down. And I thought like, okay, this is not working. What we have to do? And the great thing that happened is that we were humble enough to ask for help. And we knew there were organizations that would provide with free help, like the Small Business Administration, 
And so they guided us and they gave us free help to create the business plan. And also they told us there's something called credit unions. Credit unions are financial institutions that are even maybe smaller and more community driven. And if your loan is not that big, and maybe if they look at you and they see potential, they might approve a loan that maybe in a larger institution or a more established bank, they wouldn't do. And that was life-changing. You know, information is so important. That's why a podcast like this that is giving the financial tools and to so many people that maybe don't have that information in their hands is so important because I know firsthand how life-changing is to get your hands in the right guidance, in the right piece of information. So we got that loan approved and the rest is history. You know, we were able to start our journey as entrepreneurs. So basically you learn the importance of having a credit history. And I wanted to add a little bit of something because something that I hear time and time again, and it drives me absolutely not, especially when I hear in uh, Latinos or immigrants that are trying to establish their credit is the banks themselves telling them to open up a credit card, fine, you know, apply for a credit card. Okay, I'm good there. And to charge something. Okay, but they say to pay the minimum amount. So let's just say you charge, I don't know, $100. And the minimum payment is 10. And I'm making things up. These banks are telling them just pay the $10. And that will build the credit score. No, that will be your debt. That's what it's going to build. <laughs> but you, right. And you can. It's a way to do it, but it's an expensive way to do it. So you can still, for you listening, you can still build your credit history with paying, applying for a credit card, charging a small bill or on there, and paying it off. That is so built. So I wanted to point that out because that's something that drives me absolutely nuts that banks themselves are telling and communicating. And especially when it comes to Latinos, they're not communicating it clearly. They're just saying, pay the minimum payment. And they'll just, okay, I'll just pay the minimum payment. And here they are in, in yeah. debt. And little things like if you get behind in your rent, if you get behind in utilities, if you get behind in other things, that also will affect your credit score. Yes. Well, I wanted to wrap it up with I want to hear a little bit about you and your husband. You have multiple businesses. He's a partner in some of your businesses, right? And you have this, it, what it seems, and, and you don't need to give me all the details, but a great partnership. So when it comes to your household and your personal finances, what, how do you maneuver those waters in conversations and maybe uh, roles like who does what to make your marriage and relationship easier? Well, this is what I'm going to tell you is what has worked for me. It doesn't mean it's going to work for some other couples. I don't want to be responsible for somebody else's divorce if they follow my advice and it didn't work in their end. But what works for me is that nothing is done unless both of us are comfortable with that decision. Because you don't want to be in a situation where you take a direction or you take a step and the other person is having a bad time, even if the end result turns out to be a good thing. Like, for example, and I know you maybe are going to tell me, Gabby, you have to learn more, etc. Because I'm going to tell you something that uh, financial specialists usually, you know, they give me a hard time with this. But I don't understand many of the dynamics of Wall Street. 
So whenever there's money to be spent that is an investment, I invested in real estate, you know, because that is something that gives me peace of mind. I know a brick is a brick. I understand what is to rent a brick, you know, and I get, yes. But I know that maybe some other people with a different mindset or a different tolerance to risk or different way of life would prefer another thing, you know. And that's when you have that conversation with your, with your significant other, like, what do you feel comfortable doing? How do you feel comfortable doing it? Yes, it might be that the, at the end of the day, if you invested in X, Y, or seed options, you know, you end up with more money. But what happens in the meantime? Because if in the meantime, you're going to be checking every day if it goes up, if it goes down, if it's going to be something that is going to steal your, your calm, you know, uh, then for me, it doesn't make that much sense because I want to have my energy and my focus on building, you know, not on whatever rate is coming from that money to maximize it to the ultimate, you know, cent. I prefer maybe not to maximize it that much, but to have peace of mind and be able to focus my energy every day in building and enjoying my work and doing the things that I like. And that, you know, and that doesn't mean it has to work for somebody else. I know there might be a financial analyst coming to me and say, hey, you could have done this or this other thing better, or maybe this money could have been used better. But at the end of the day, I also think happiness and peace of mind have, have to be a part of the equation. Otherwise, you know, what do I want to have optimum return if I have a heart attack? Well, don't worry. I'm not going to tell you, hey, I can't believe you're you know, basically investing just in real estate. No worry. I'm a big proponent of doing what works for you. And doing what works for you is what you said. It's you have to be comfortable. You have to do what's what you're going to be consistent with as well, right? I think that's very important. It's not about doing everything that all the personal finance experts are telling you to do because some things may not make sense for you and your situation and your family and your lifestyle. So no worries there. I think you're good. <laughs> do and, and you never know because at this season of your life, that's what you're comfortable doing. Maybe in another season of your life, that will change. And that's completely fine too. So like I said, I'm just a big proponent of doing what's good for you and your family. Jen, there's something else that I would like to say. Sure. Um, like, for example, in my case, I had a variety of projects that I was working on. And then when the pandemia hit, everything that was related to traveling, everything that was related to speaking engagements, everything that was related to covering big events like the Grammys, like billboards, you name it, everything, all of that has been postponed, rescheduled, you name it, because nobody knows. Right. But at the same time, you know, there are other projects like my book that is coming in 2021 uh, with HarperCollins Leadership, and I'm the first Latina to be signed, The Virtuous Circle. So please be on the lookout for it. And then another thing that I learned is that you never know what projects that maybe were a passion project or something that you were planning, you know, and there were one more project in that lineup that you have for that year, they become center stage. And that's what happened to me with welcomealbeauty.com with my hairline. You know, I was planning for the past year and a half, the launch of hair extension brand that was aimed to 
women's productivity because I feel the beauty industry does not take women's time seriously enough. Every time they tell you to do 25-step uh, beauty routine or makeup routine, what they're saying is your time is not so valuable. That's why, you know, when I saw this void in the market and when I saw this need of being able to be camera ready in five minutes or more or less and not finding the products, the pieces, the hairstyles, you name it, I decided to create it. But I didn't know that I was going to end up launching in the middle of a global pandemic when so many people are scared to go to the salon and when so many people need a solution to look good, be camera ready for that virtual meeting or for whatever they're planning in five minutes or less. So you never know, as, as I said in the beginning, it's all circular. Yes, you never it is. Know an opportunity will knock on your door. So that's something that I want everybody to keep in mind. We have to be flexible. We have to think outside the box. And maybe you have for this year, let's say eight, 10 projects or the X number of projects. But now everything is focused on those one or two that can be executed in the new reality, at least for this month. So make the most of this time because it's okay if you want to catch up with your reading, with your seasons in Netflix, or with whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy and contributes to your mental health is fine. But also know that this time will not come back and that if you're fortunate enough to have an income, if you're fortunate enough to have health, this is a great opportunity to build something for your future so that you emerge stronger at the end of this. That's powerful because, and it's important to definitely note this because they say in these times, difficult times are when millionaires are made, right? Because they see opportunity. It doesn't matter if you may not be a business owner listening, but if you take this opportunity and you've been saving, like you were saving cash for the car and you've been, because cash is king and you've been saving, you're able to use this opportunity to buy a home because maybe they're a lot less expensive <laughs> than normal then is just looking for those opportunities. So thank you so much. That is definitely very valuable and a very timely, especially now, whether you're listening, even in the future, <laughs> it's very timely to just keep that in mind. And be a great negotiator because now is the time where everybody's more flexible. They want your business, whatever that business is, they want it. So be make sure that you can negotiate on those agreements, those contracts, those prices, and everything you do, ask for the discount. And as Latinas, I think we got negotiating in our blood. Uh -huh, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Gabby. It's been such a fantastic conversation. I appreciate the wisdom that you shared, the lessons, the your money story, as well as the leadership that and the example that you set for us Latinas, being out there as an entrepreneur, as as a Latina, because it, it, it means a lot, uh, the example that you set. So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Jen. Un besito for everyone listening, everyone. And if you're feeling a little low in this time or in this day, I invite you to watch my TED Talk, Pioneers, How to Be What You Can't See, because we need an army of pioneers, pioneers conquering the world. Thank you so much, Jen. Gracias y besitos. Thank you. And I'll have that tech talk in the, in the show notes.
What did you think of Gabby's story? I honestly enjoyed chatting with her so much as you could hear, especially learning how that one opportunity has led to so many successes and new projects for her. I hope that you are left motivated because you should be to take the opportunities that come up for you and to realize that you have the power to turn those opportunities into incredible growth that comes with faith, with belief, and with confidence. You can connect with Gabby at welcomeallbeauty.com, which is one of her business, as well as gabbynatale.com. And make sure you can also check out Gabby's tech talk called Pioneer, How to Be What You Can See. So that is all going to be in today's show notes. And also, and you heard it here first, if you're not connected with her on social media, she recently announced that she has become the first Latina author published by HarperCollins Leadership when her book, The Virtuous Circle, which is the English version, hits the shelves on January 5th. So how exciting is that? Now, remember that if you are ready to surround yourself with other powerful reinas, that the Her Dinero Power Circle is available to you for only $9.97 a month, where you will have access to our Reina community, our monthly Dinero and Cafecito chats, and where we have game night, book club, Q&As, episode discussions, and you are able to participate in the planning of the topics of this podcast. And as a part of this power circle, you will have special VIP discounts and special announcements before anyone else. So you can check out the details over at jenhempill.com forward slash power circle. You aren't tied into any special contract, FYI, you can cancel anytime. And because you are hearing this on this podcast, you can use the coupon code fans only for $5 off your first month. Next week is Thanksgiving here in the United States. So what I've decided to do, instead of release an episode with a guest, I am going to be unpacking this year, meaning just taking a moment to reflect because 2020, you and I know it's been absolutely nuts. It's been crazier. It seems to be get crazier by the minute. So I'm going to do what I'm going to do is I am going to unpack this year more in the sense of the lessons that I have learned as well as what it means financially for you, for you, what we should consider, what sh how should we be thinking differently. So make sure that you check that out next week because it's just going to be you and I hanging out. So if you are going to be on the road, hopefully you're being safe. We are in, uh, in the pandemic with COVID just rising. I, and I want you just to take care of yourself. Of course, I'm not going to tell you what to do. That is up to you, but I'm just encouraging you to be safe and stay safe. That is it. Eso es todo por hoy. Thank you, Gabby, for being with us. And thank you for listening. I know there's a ton of podcasts for you to choose from, but you chose us. So I appreciate that. You can check out today's show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 240. Remember, being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. Yes, it can be simple. I believe in you and you should too. If you love this podcast, love this episode, I would love it if you share it with someone you care about or if you also 
if you would indulge us and take it a screenshot or a selfie and just tag us in your Instagram stories or in your Instagram feed uh, with at her dinero matters with that one thing that you love about this podcast or specific episode. Bueno, pues that is everything. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.